Hello everyone and welcome back to the Kickabout. Spurs lose twice in a week, Bournemouth secure a huge win and Chelsea have finally worked out where the goal is. I'm your host Chris. I'm Pete. And I'm Lee. And welcome to episode 150 of uh, the Kickabout. And what a way to mark a momentous land uh, landmark episode than to have me with no fucking voice. So yeah, apologies for that. I'll try and keep the coughing to a minimum. Um, but uh, yeah, this week is going to be another another episode of me sounding <laughs> like dot com. So uh, yeah, we have got an incredible episode, an incredible weekend of football to look back on. Um, I suppose we should probably be thankful to the Premier League that they've reminded us so perfectly of how amazing club football is right before England played Mount Malta and North Macedonia. Oh. So yeah, we've got two weeks now to forget about club football. Um, and we've got the FPL stuff to do as well. Has Dan given you a stat, Pete? He has. What a guy. Right, we'll start with that before we move on. Dan the stat man. So Dan has given me one, and I've also found one as well. So oh. two for you. Double double bubble. Uh, so Dan's one is uh, Thiago Silva is only the fourth different player to score a Premier League goal while aged thirty nine or older. But can you name the remaining three players? I reckon I can do two of them. I think. Not sure about the third. Go on, and the other one. And my one is uh, Erling Haaland has scored two or more goals in 36 league games since his Borussia Dortmund debut in 2020, more times than any other player in Europe's big five leagues. But can you name the remaining four? Okay, all right. Well, uh, we'll get the answer to that at the end of the show, as always. Um, let's do a quick fantasy league update, because for a change, I had an all right week. I had a shock. Actually, <laughs> Haaland... Pull me out of the dump a little bit. So, I mean, I haven't actually... I've, I've been obviously looking at my points and realising how shit I've been. What I didn't realise was just how fucking far adrift I was in every league that I'm in. Mm. Um, so that one, I am... Um, I'm only 20 points off the back of that one. That's not too bad. Uh, in the, one of the other ones I'm in, I think I'm about 50 points off. Oh, no, okay, I've caught up a bit this weekend. Lovely old job. Oh, no, no I am still 50 points behind what we're talking about. Um, but yeah, I, I had to <laughs> I had to make um, eight. Um, I had to take a minus eight this weekend. I had five players in red, um, and I had uh, sorry four in red and one in yellow. And I had two free transfers, thankfully. But I had to roll. I had to take the minus eight because otherwise I would have had even less players playing than I did. Um, and annoyingly, I had um, Ben White who got ill at the last minute, so he didn't get me anything. Um, but otherwise, Saliba got a goal, Bowen got a goal, um, Nunez got an assist, Haaland got a couple of goals, and Watkins scored as well. So actually, for me, um, that was actually not a bad weekend's work. How did you boys get on? Uh, 57, I think I finished on in the end. Um, Bearing in mind what great. you were on, yeah, I was did on you have Haaland captain? I had Haaland. Well, I didn't. I had I put Ferguson in as captain, but he didn't play. He wasn't even in the squad. So he came out and Haaland went in as my vice captain. Oh, you lucky bastard. <laughs> so, yeah. And also I had Saka on the bench, which because uh, I didn't think he was going to play. Uh, but Ferguson come out and Saka went in. So it got me oh, wow. Points. 
Can't buy a lottery ticket this week. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, I actually didn't get a chance to do my team, so I had to stick with what I had last week. <laughs> um, but I still got 55 points. Um, ended up leaving Trent as captain. He's got me 14, but I could have definitely used that elsewhere. Oh, that's not bad. I mean, that, that could have gone a lot worse. Could have gone a lot worse. Um, but it's the same team as last week, and last week that team got me like 20 points, if that. Yeah. So... Yeah, last weekend was a weird one, very weird. I went from 49th to 97th in one week in the podcast league. Really, you dropped 50 places. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'd have thought this weekend would have been a little bit of a um, I suppose anybody that's got Harlan as captain would have would have farmed a bit this weekend, but mm. um, yeah, well, Pete, how are you feeling? I mean, obviously, you've had Harland out. We said this, the, yeah. a, a day like this was likely to come at some point. I've had him out for between like a month or two now. Um, it's been positive for me, to be honest with you, because I've been able to spend the money elsewhere. And I've pulled away from you because it was literally just me and you down the bottom. <laughs> um, and now I'm about mid, midway through the pack now. So being positive, but... I th- Keeping an eye on it, are you? I am, yeah. I don't know whether to put him back in, but then I'm just going to be matching points with everyone else around me. I need to start risking it to yeah. really get up there because I can't have Joe Roberts at the top for much longer. <laughs> You need those differentials, don't you, with other yeah, players? Exactly. Um, but then, of course, that, that obviously comes with its own risks. So, uh, right, well, um, good news is, from my point of view, is that I won't have to worry about this for the next two weeks um, while the international football is on. Um, and on that note, let's talk international football. We're going to talk very briefly about the the England squad. I don't want to cover, go over too much old ground here because we would just be regurgitating the sort of the same stories. Um the only thing I wanted to talk on was was some of the things that Gareth Southgate said when he was questioned in the interviews today or yesterday, whatever it was, about um, Raheem Sterling. Actually, his name has has come back up. So obviously, you know, we all know about Ward Prowse, and we all know about the uh, the sort of criticism that's been levelled at Southgate for not picking him. But now he's also getting criticism for not bringing Sterling back in. Uh, Lee, as our resident Chelsea fan, do you think Sterling should be in the squad? Absolutely. You see how he he played yesterday against Man City, and he. It's the best I've seen him play for a long time, and he's had a couple of games now on the trot where he's he's really been putting performances in. So, and you see the likes of Rashford that are getting in the squad who have done absolutely nothing this season. So, well, that's the thing that Southgate said is that his sort of rebuttal to that was, well, who do I drop? Mm-hmm. So, well, Rashford. Rashford start, yeah. <laughs> um, and I would argue as well that you know I think Grealish is probably a little bit fortunate to be mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing as well is that if if, if Southgate talks about players that he trusts in his system. You can't use that argument with Sterling because right. Sterling, not not so long ago, was one of his untouchables. Yep. Um, so that doesn't wash either. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, I'm, I'm pleased that a few of the players have come in today. I think Cole Palmer, Rico Lewis and Rezvi Konza have come in, which I'm pleased about, um, whether or not they get any game time. I'd like to think they would because I think we are, I don't know if we're officially through, but yes, we're as we, good. Are. we are officially we're, through. We're through, yeah. So it's a good opportunity for Southgate, but whether he does actually rotate or not is another question. Um, Pete, any any sort of thoughts on any of those players outside of the ones we kind of already talked about? Um, I didn't actually see the initial squad. Um, obviously, from from looking at the updated one, I can't see Lewis Duncan. I'd imagine he's out. Uh, he's um, in there. No, I think he must have been one of the ones who dropped for his recovery. Yeah, that that was going to be my. Um, bugbear there because I think unless it was Colwell because Colwell was injured wasn't he as well no Colwell was in yeah I can't see Lewis Duncan the updated squad list so that that was going to be my thought Mm. on there because I think he'd done a really good job 
last time he was in the squad. Um, yeah, I'd like Ward um, Ward Prowse in there as much as he is a, a scummer or ex-scummer, shall I say. Um, you you need someone like that in your team, set-piece specialist, absolute threat. And you look at the quality that we've got up top, finishes in the air, you know, we we need we need someone like that in the squad, even if it is just a game against farmers. Mm. Yeah. I think that the, the thing that frustrates me with Ward Prowse is that in the media especially is that all they talk about is his set piece prowess. Actually, if you well, look he's at his attraction engine, he is, and you look at his stats in the game yesterday. He was he was top ev- on everything. Yeah, passes, pass completion, distance covered, everything. Um, so he's not just the one trick pony like the media seem to think he is. So the fact that Jordan Henderson and Calvin Phillips continue to get in there, I think it must be. I wonder what uh, War Prowse really thinks. I mean, he has talked about his disappointment, but I wonder if he's actually feeling a bit more than that because I fucking would be. Um, I don't really know what he has to do to get him outside of injuries. Maybe he just needs one of them to get injured to get back in and maybe mm. prove his worth then. But um, it shouldn't really come to that. I'm surprised about the goalkeepers in that as well, though, because I know Trafford's still young, whether he's in the under twenty one squads or not, because he was a. Bolton last season done really well there and you know, he's doing alright in the Premier League this season but picking him over Sam Johnson just to give him some experience I think would be a great idea but he obviously doesn't see him in the uh, the plans for now Yeah I mean given we're already qualified this would be a good opportunity to blood a few more of those younger players um, and I, I think I didn't see the game or I didn't see the mistake they were referring to but apparently Trafford was at fault for one of the Arsenal goals at the weekend um, I couldn't tell you which one it was no. going, so I didn't, I didn't watch that game um, but um, yeah it would have been nice to see a few more of those but hopefully we'll see a bit more of uh, Tamori uh, and, and, and Gay as well and just see whether we can start building for the future because defensively we've got some decisions to make soon because Maguire's the wrong side of 30 mm. John Stones is very injury prone so there's no guarantee excuse me that he's going to be around for the uh, Euro so the decision for Southgate could end up getting made for him do you two actually mind that Maguire's in the squad now? Because I know a few months ago we sort of said him and uh, Henderson were a little bit... Well, at least well, Maguire's totally actually cool. playing now. Yeah. and playing He's at, actually uh, doing a lot for United as yeah. well so far. Well, you saw him in, in the game against... Um, uh, not not the Luton game, the game last week. Who did they play last week? Uh, they played... Was it Palace? Anyway, he was probably their best player. Mm. So, yeah, stats stats wise, he was actually top four. Yeah, yeah. I think the the thing is with Maguire is that I don't think we should necessarily just suddenly be like, oh, it's okay now because he's had the thick end of a year and a half playing in the in the England squad where he's been so, uh, you know, infrequent within the uh, main eye team. Uh, it was Fulham the weekend before um, mm. for yeah, yeah. for Maguire. Um, so, yeah, I don't think we should just completely forget about the fact that Southgate continually picked him for so long all the while he wasn't being played. Yes, I agree that it's less damaging now because at least he is playing, so you can't level it at him right now. Um, but that doesn't absolve Southgate of the um, the guilt, if you like, for, for picking him for as long as he did. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, we'll, of course, be talking about that next week. We should, in theory, have Dan back on the show next week, and I'm sure he cannot wait to come back and talk about England against Malta and North Macedonia um, after uh, Manchester United absolutely smashed Luton 1-0 at the weekend as well. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, so he'll be hopefully be back next week. Um, but we are now going to talk about some Premier League action and what a way to start. What a game this was at Stamford Bridge. Chelsea 4, Manchester United 4, Um 
I've got a, a little stat off the back of this one because I was curious about this. I, went, I actually went looking for this. Only four different teams have scored four-plus Premier League goals in a game against Guardiola's Man City. The last time it happened was in 2020 against Leicester. That was the last time City conceded four in a game. Wow. Leicester have actually done it to him twice. They also did it back in 2016. Everton did it in 2017. Liverpool did it in 2018. So, yeah, so this is a rare occurrence. I think actually the fact that Chelsea scored or Man City conceded four has gone under the radar a little bit because all the talk has been about Cole Palmer and and Sterling against their old teams. When actually Man City just conceded four goals. Chelsea have been really struggling in front of goal this season. And all of a sudden, here we are. They scored four on Monday and they've scored four against Man City. Could have been eight or as well. We've got the amount of chances both teams had. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, as a as a Chelsea fan, when you look at this game, is it a weird feeling thinking actually you could have taken all three points from this game? You know, this was a game that actually you could have ended up winning. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think a point is fair. Um, <laughs> both teams played their part in the match. And yeah. yeah I, overall, a point was probably fair. But yeah, we we could have taken all three quite comfortably. Um we had enough chances. I know City had their chances as well, but... It was an astonishing game of football. Probably for me, Pete, was probably the best game I've I've seen this year. But it's ironic that Chelsea have actually served up probably yeah. all the good games this year. I mean, the Chelsea-Arsenal game was a cracker. Yeah. Then you had Monday night just gone. This one, um, Chelsea are apparently the team to watch at the moment. The thing is, <laughs> we, we've, we've drawn against Liverpool, we've drawn against Arsenal... Uh, we've drawn against City. Mm. We've beaten Spurs. It just shows that we play better against teams that come on to us. We struggle to break down teams that sit in behind the ball. It's um, so are you saying sort of like you know this is all very well this, but let's not get carried away? Is yeah. what you're saying. Well, we got we got Newcastle coming up. We've got um, <laughs> Newcastle. I think it's Brentford. No, it can't be Brentford. It's Newcastle, uh, Brighton, and then United. Yeah. Um, and we'll see how we get on with them because I can't see them three sit. Well, Man United might do, but mm-hmm. typically Brighton don't just sit in. Newcastle won't sit in. So no, yeah, those. We'll I see mean, how we get on with them. The yeah, Newcastle Chelsea in uh, in a couple of weeks' time could be an absolutely cracking game, as could the Brighton game. Um. I don't know, it just feels a little bit... I was watching the game and obviously I was kind of in awe of it like everybody else was. Um, I don't know about you, Pete, but it just... We throw around the term, what a great advert for the Premier League a lot, but this one actually felt like a good advert for the Premier League because VAR only really got involved once, um, which was for the penalty for on, yeah, on yeah. Haaland, um, and they sort of didn't get involved in the end. What did you think of the penalty? Did you think that was the correct decision or, no, or I mean, not? I see that as 50-50 because Haaland done that. He initiated it first. What, what he always does is like grabbing the shirt and pulling and pulling and someone else has to be reactive to it. So they do the same. And then he goes down like a sack of shit. Yeah, um, I think it was very smart from Haaland. I think that's probably the best yeah. way to put it. From from what I saw, it looked like Cucurella kind of had his hand on him but wasn't really doing anything, maybe a little bit of a grab. And then Haaland has effectively yanked him out of the way really, really like a, almost split second. Then he's let go. But Kukurella's trying to hang on because he was trying to stay with him. That, that was a problem because um, Haaland's dragged him out of position. Kukurella's actually then tried to grab hold of him to get back in position because he's now the wrong side of him. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I'm happy that VAR 
didn't say to him to overturn because I don't feel like there was anywhere near enough evidence to suggest that it was a clear and obvious error. Um, so it was kind of pleasing for once for the referee to actually take, you know, centre stage and make the decision and, and have it backed up. Um, and that really kind of just set us on the way, really, didn't it? Because you got, um, yeah, Thiago Silva. I thought I thought he was he was superb in that game. Yeah, very unlucky with the own goal. Well, not own goal. It was didn't go down as an own goal in the end, but took a massive deflection off of him. Yeah, quite a finish. For him. Um, but yeah, just overall, this this game was just non-stop. At, at no point did it feel like it ever came up for air. No. Um, you know, it was one of those games where, as a neutral watching it, when you don't have a sword in the fight, you just wanted this game to go on. Um, so, um, Pete, did you feel like four all was a fair result in the end? <laughs> yeah. Well, a draw, a fair result in the end. Maybe not necessarily the number of goals scored, but definitely a draw. I think both both teams had chances to uh, de- just definitely score more than four, which is probably something you might want to look at in a, a deeper thought negatively, if you wish. But um, some great stops from both keepers in the game. Really solid hands from Sanchez at times. Yeah, I think. Sanchez's save on Haaland in the first half. I think um, yeah, that how, was outstanding. How he got down to that. Mesmerising. Um, but yeah, I think if any team was going to argue they should have won the game, I'd probably say Chelsea. Mm. They, it felt like Chelsea were more positive when they had the ball. Obviously, City, we know they're very, they're a very patient team. They'll pass you to death and create the chances that way. But it felt like every time Chelsea got the ball, they were just like marauding forward mm-hmm. as much as they could. Um, one thing that pleased me as well was with Sanchez was the fact that every time he got the ball, I was waiting for him to fuck it up because it was it was almost like one of those games where all we were missing was, was a howler from someone. And you're looking at someone like Sanchez, who's obviously made a few this year. Oh, he gives it away at least once every week. Yeah, so. um, but his decision making wasn't his distribution wasn't brilliant, but his, his decision making was a lot better. Yeah. Um, you know, he was launching the ball when he was under pressure. He was playing shorter when he had the option. Um, so overall, I thought, yeah, it was a, it was a much better performance. Um, Cole Palmer, Lee, um, how impressed have you been with his time at Chelsea so far? He's really hit the ground running, hasn't he? Um, a little bit sceptical when we first bought him. I thought, oh, that's quite a bit of money for someone who's really unproven. But, How much did you pay for him? Um, 30, 30 odd million, I think, mm-hmm. in the end. Which for an unproven 21 year old's. He signed, a, signed a contract till 29 now, hasn't he? Well, well most yeah, Chelsea players. Contract, <laughs> short contract, um, actually, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm really impressed with him. He looks mature beyond his mm. years and, and to pick that ball up and take that penalty at the end against your former club when uh, a point is on the line as well yeah. his boyhood club as well yeah. you've been there for 15 years you yeah. know, that, that's, a, that's a long long time uh, to be at any club from, from that age brilliant penalty brilliant composure um, I actually thought <laughs> we were talking about it before we started recording as to just whether Man City might have looked at that because Man City aren't in the in the habit of strengthening their rivals. It's not something they've historically ever done. Mm. They usually will keep their best players and if they do so, then they go abroad. So I just wonder whether this one might go down, the longer this goes on, if Cole Palmer continues to improve the rate he does, I just wonder whether this one might be a um, one that Man City might regret. It's nice for us to be on the other end of it because it's normally the other way around for us. <laughs> then people like Salah and De Bruyne and that go and then mm. coming back to uh, bite us on the arse. Yeah, yeah. Um, what about um, Nathan um, Nicholas Jackson? Sorry, what's your what's your viewpoint on him? Because he's four goals in two games. Yeah, um, I know. I know you're about this. Obviously, Monday night was a very yeah. unique situation. 
but you know, goals does breed confidence. So he, I, I really don't know what to make of him now. He's he tries hard. He just lacks a little bit of say, finesse and that just bit of quality at the end. The, the goal we got um, against City was quite lucky, really. Mm-hmm. It was poor goalkeeping, really, to push it back into his path. So you really expect a Premier League striker to score that opportunity under no real pressure. Yeah. Um, should have scored. Uh, the, wor- the worst one was in the top. Yeah, actually, that header that he missed was mm-hmm. just... <laughs> you've got to be scoring. Yeah, that. pretty unforgivable, that yeah. one. Yeah, I, I think that... <laughs> you know, we, we've drawn comparisons with Jackson and Timo Werner in the past. It feels like Jackson has certainly scored more goals than Timo Werner did in, at this stage in his Chelsea career mm-hmm. anyway. Um, I didn't actually realise that uh, before he joined Chelsea that he'd only scored um, a fairly small handful of goals in his senior career. I think he had quite a good run at the end of last season for Villarreal. I don't before think that, he'd um, been in the team that long at Villarreal. I no. don't think he'd been in there all season. It was more back end of the season that he actually got into the team. Mm. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be really interested to see you know if he can, you know, if he can build up some confidence because of these goals he scored. If if the team itself is now going to be more confident because of these performances and results, um, and the number of goals they're scoring, I just wonder what it will do to him. Uh, and also, not forgetting that Nkunku is not too far away by the well, sound of it. Hopefully, he'll be back for the next game. Which is considerably earlier than well, originally, that originally it was in the new year, and uh, yeah, he's been in training. And uh, what Potch was saying the other day is they're hoping to have him back for uh, the Newcastle game, so possibly so, be on the bench. So that, that will be really interesting, because obviously we saw how well they linked up in pre-season. The problem is now, what do you do? Is you're not dropping Sterling, you're not dropping Palmer, and you're probably not dropping Gallagher for his work rate. Mm. So headaches yes good headaches it's a to nice, have, nice problem to have but yeah what do you do the trouble is I don't think you can realistically drop Gallagher no um, because you do you lose that bite just in that pure midfield. energy yeah just um, hassling that, that being more. said you've still got Fernandez and Caicedo in there I still think we need to see more from Caicedo yeah it feels like he's just about finding his feet a little bit now um, the first few games he played he was shocking <laughs> and uh a few players have had the habit of that this season. Though. Yeah, he, he's started to um, sort of fit in a bit more now. So Mudrick as well, he's looking a a little bit better. Yeah, he's he's he was starting, and now all of a sudden he's gone back to the bench again. So mm. I'm not really sure. Yeah, you know, he's not going to get him in front of uh, Sterling at the moment. So no, no way. Yeah, Chelsea almost with the squad they've got. And the players that they're going to end up having on the assumption that everyone remains fit, Chelsea almost need need Europe. Mm. That's the problem now. We've, we've had so many injuries. Um, now we're starting to get people back. It's like, well, who do you drop? Who do you, you know, like Mudrick probably doesn't deserve to get dropped because he was actually starting to perform. Mm. But you can't. Yeah, I feel like Pochettino. Can't drop Sterling either, so. No, I feel like Pochettino is going to have to do his best uh, Pep Guardiola <clears throat> impression um, and just try and rotate around and try and do his best to keep everyone fresh and keep everyone firing because what, what Guardiola is so good at when that happens is that if he does have an injury, whoever he brings in not only is class anyway, but they're match fit yeah. and they've been playing. So I think if, if Pochettino can find a balance somehow of doing that, then I think they'll be all right. Um, 
Speaking about the penalty earlier, did you see uh, the angle of Kovacic celebrating? Yes. Um, I'm not sure what to make of this. <laughs> because it's... I was, I was talking to you about this, Lee, as well. Mm-hmm. Like, when, when you sort of um, fist... You know, clench fists and you, you sort of move your hand in that way. That's usually only done in a celebratory way. You don't mm. usually do that if you're angry or upset about something. Um, and it's difficult to see in the angle his face. So you can't really see his facial or body... Mm. Um, like emotions. I, I saw a video like from the the dugouts. Yeah, I, I've only seen like it's quite hard yeah. to see. It's like a fan's video, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There, there's a Chelsea player on the bench like celebrating, and then you can also like sort of see him going like shaking both of his fists and running back like. What the fuck is it? Yeah, it's scored. It's very odd. Um, I suspect. I suspect if that gets out, I suspect that Mr. Guardiola might be having a little word with Kovacic to explain. Why he seemingly was so. If he's in pleased. your team, take him out. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's in your FPL team. Now's the time to take him out. Um, yeah, it's an odd one. I, I don't recall another time where I've seen an opposition player celebrating. I've seen a referee celebrating before. Oh, yeah, Mike Dean. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, what, what a fantastic game this was. Man City um, definitely played their part. Um, Harlan's needed a game like that to get himself back amongst the goals again. He's been a little bit. Uh, dry by his standards of recent times anyway but um, yeah uh, for, for Chelsea to come back like that 86th minute to go 4-3 down I really thought that was done so fair play to them for coming back you're not doing your alternate universe oh yeah <laughs> so we'll do that at the end we'll do that at the end of the show we've yeah. started now we'll, uh, we'll, we'll finish with that one because that one could be quite good so Lee was really excited yeah. for that <laughs> <laughs> should we do it now We'll do it. We'll do it now. I'm just thinking of the high of the high of Chelsea. Yeah. Well, yeah. Keep okay. Going well, for him. you're absolutely right. I completely forgot about the kick of our alternate universe. Um, so we'll do it now. I asked you guys to come prepared with your favourite um, football chants, funniest favourites, whatever you want to do. Um, now, be aware if you say the wrong thing, this might be the 150 and out. <laughs> um, but Dan, Dan's not here, so we should be safe. Um, Pete, why don't you give us? Uh, your favourite chant in, in football? What's what's your uh, what's your pick? I'll start off PG. Okay. Um, very very PG actually, um, and it actually comes from a Pompey match, unsurprisingly, but it's not in our favour. Okay. Um, so we played Ipswich uh, a few years back, and we were getting slammed four 0 within the first half. And you might remember all of us singing we've got the ball when we had the ball and singing we've lost the ball when <laughs> yeah. we lost the ball for about 40 minutes <laughs> uh, followed by let's pretend we scored a goal and that sort of went a little bit viral and a few other teams started to do that in it. Well, Maybe, so you were literally like the whole crowd was going mad oh, pretending yeah. you'd scored a goal? Only during like, the last five minutes just okay. to keep the people all nice and warm. <laughs> 40 minutes imagining imagine like let's say about 15,000 people saying, we've got the ball, <laughs> we've lost the ball, we've got the ball. Yeah. It, you started off thinking, oh, for fuck, this is embarrassing. And then by five, ten minutes later, you're like, yeah, we got the ball. Yeah, so I lost yeah. it. That was a good one for me. Just a memorable one, just to keep it nice and PG. Um, I'm assuming this might take a little bit of a turn, but... <laughs> <laughs> Go on in, Lee. Well, there's only, only one song, really, coming from a Chelsea fan. That's Celery, isn't it? Really? <laughs> And, uh, you give us a rendition. Well, <laughs> so uh, it goes, celery, uh, celery, and if she don't come, I'll tickle her bum with a lump of celery, celery. <laughs> and celery is actually banned 
from Stanford Bridge and not that tech salary anymore. <laughs> I'd love to see the poster where it says banned items, guns, knives, and celery. So, yeah. And that goes back to 19. I was going to say, what's the story behind that? So there was a guy, oh, what was his name? I'd saved it because I forgot what his name was. Uh, Mickey Greenway. So it's from the 1980s. He was a Chelsea fan. And he used to sing a, a slightly different rendition of that. And it's obviously changed over the years. And... Um, yeah, and it just stuck. So uh, that's it, really. I don't, I don't <laughs> know why he used to sing. It is weird, isn't it, how some football, how some some songs become so synonymous with football when when you look behind the scenes, you actually think there's almost there's no real yeah. link to to football here. And I also saw another thing. I don't know how true it is that sort of in the eighties when we wasn't going to Wembley so much and people going, oh, "We're going to Wembley," and that. And they just started singing celery because it sounds like Wembley. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, do you know what's funny? I was listening to, um, I, I was watching watch a Chelsea game recently, and your song that is played when the players come out, Liquidate, Liquidate. And I was, I was so confused as to why this is because it's such a synonymous song. It was actually doing the rounds on TikTok as well, and um, there was loads of like uh, memes going around about how. Um, you know, listening to this banger play out just before 90 minutes of misery for Chelsea fans <laughs> or something like that. And um, so, yeah, I was just really curious and then sort of found out that there's a real history of like blues music mm-hmm. with Chelsea and stuff and that's where that came from, which is kind of weird. Um, is, that, is that why you sing Chelsea all the time just in case they get banned from coming to the ground? <laughs> <laughs> so um, so my one um, emanates from it. It's actually a West Ham versus Chelsea game um, that I went to when I was about... Cool, bro. I must have been about ten or eleven years old. So back in when I was uh, when I was a lot younger, we used to have a a link with West Ham and their youth club coaches. So every summer, every towards the end of every season, we'd get the youth club coaches would come down to um, to Mill Chase here in, in where we live in Borden, and they would uh, put on some coaching sessions for, for for the club for all the various age groups. And there was one year that they actually said, "Actually, do you want to reverse it this year? You come up to us." So we, we had this, we were basically training in the middle of a park, but it was a really nice area. We did all the training. And then as part of that, they got us tickets to West Ham Chelsea. So there's a whole like whole gang of us going in there. And this is back in the days of like um, when Joe Cole and all that was still playing for West Ham. This is probably a couple of years before the Chelsea money came in, I think. And uh, <laughs> we were all singing... Um, the entire stadium was singing England to Chelsea because at the time they were renowned for not having any English players. <laughs> so the whole crowd was just going England, all that to them. And then everything died down and then Paolo Di Canio got on the ball, did something magical and then the entire stadium was singing Paolo Di Canio singing that and then immediately the Chelsea fans started going England. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking cool. I don't know why I remember that so much. It was like the, You could actually hear the entire West Ham fans just laughing because they thought it was brilliant. It was such a good comeback from the Chelsea fans. And uh, yeah, we went on to lose uh, 3-0. So that was, that was a lovely day out that was. Oh dear! Right there we go. Uh, that was a nice little trip down. Did this all come about because of that the Leeds game the other day with the where they kept hammering Matey for wearing chinos? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? Um, uh, oh, what was the fucking song? You should have bought fucking chinos or something like that, wasn't it? They come, They had so many different ones. They just yeah. kept changing them. It's uh, chinos. chinos. I, I always enjoy watching the comparison between English football fans and American fans. Nice day, it's it? unbelievable how bad theirs are compared to us. There's <laughs> no imagination at all with theirs. It's all so PG and like mm. can't offend anybody. We have to be really nice. So yeah. the sweet the Sweden game, the England fans went abroad saying you're shit, but you're birds. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh dear. Right, back to the uh, back to the football. Um, let's talk uh, Liverpool against Brentford. We haven't actually we haven't spoken about uh, Liverpool for a little while. They've kind of been going under the radar a little bit. Um, so I think it's worthwhile talking about them because they have found themselves still in that upper echelon of the of the league. They uh, they sit in second place going into the international break, joint second with Arsenal. Um, it's been really good for the Liverpool, hasn't it? You know, if you think back to the summer where there was loads of question marks about their midfield. They've been quietly going about their business and doing really, really well. Top-ranked player in Salah for the FPL as well now. He's overtaken Haaland. Yeah, I, I feel like... I don't know why, but some of the pressure feels like it's not there with Salah anymore. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because we're not talking about Liverpool as much. It's probably because Nunes is actually doing stuff now, this season. Didn't do anything at the weekend, I think. Wait, no, he did. He, just got, he got two goals that were denied offside and fucked my FPL. Yeah, it did me as well. Salah's uh, hit 200 uh, goals for Liverpool as well. Yeah, where does he stand in the um, grand scheme of Premier League... Strikers for you. Is, it, is, is, is he really is he in the great sh- conversation yet? He's not really a striker either, is he? So that's he plays. He's not a typical what not, you'd call a striker. He's, yeah, he's not a number nine. I guess so, comparing him to the likes of um, I'm trying to think, banging up Giggs, hmm. Ronaldo, those players who played in those wide positions. Can we put him in that bracket of like legendary I, Premier League players? I do you think, think you're going to have to now? He's he does it season in, season out. It's it's not a, a fluke. One season, he, he scores 20, 30 goals every season, doesn't he, mm. in the league? So. Um, just touching on the whole Nunes and Salah, I did see a stat about this um, where Salah and Nunes are the duo who have created the most chances between themselves in 19 and assisted each other the most times in five in the Premier League this season. And the new Kane and Son, are they? Yeah. Um, no, I think that... Um, I think Nunes is is his game has has changed. He doesn't look like he's trying to do it all himself anymore. He feels like he's a little bit more of a team player. It was almost like he had a felt like he had a real point to prove last season, maybe with the price tag, I don't know. But this season it just feels like he's settled in a little bit and, and he's much more of a of a team player. But you remember us having this conversation, it must have been what, two years ago now, where uh, Firmino and Mane, you know, there were questions over them leaving. And we thought, well, what's going to happen with Liverpool strike force now? And Nunes has come in, Jota's come in, and they're slowly starting to uh, build up a force again up top. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've still got Luis Diaz as well. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's class. I mean, Liverpool, no one's really talking about everyone. The, the, all the conversation has been about Arsenal or Spurs, actually, in more recent times. Um, no one's really talking about Liverpool. How close do we think they can run this? 12 games in, one point off of Man City. They've only lost one game all season. It's a lot easier to spot an elephant in a tree than a, a cat, isn't it? So, I love your, <laughs> I love all these metaphors you're coming out of every week. I'm all for, I'm all for it. Liverpool will always score goals. It's whether they can keep the ball out of their own net. They're looking a little bit more suspect. They looked a little bit more tight recently, but the beginning of this season, they looked a bit suspect at the back. Mm. And against better teams, I mean... They, they could have been 2 0 down at the weekend, to be honest with you. They, uh, it does feel like they've gotten away with scored. it a little bit against some teams, but they have got the joint best defence in the league, mm. um, which is yeah. kind of a weird stat. I mean, it's a little bit, when we talk about weird stats, we'll talk about the fact that Man United are the, the informed team, team. <laughs> in the league, which just seems absolutely fucking ridiculous. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think Liverpool are in a good spot. I think their midfield is, is really, really strong. Um, do we think Endo? Could probably have been sent off in this one. Do you think he's got away with one? I personally, I don't think it is a sending off. I wouldn't have said it was a sending off. But when you've seen 
again, we go back to the VAR, when they're sending people off for similar challenges, it's where's the consistency? Mm. He didn't even get booked. So I find it diff- I find this one easier to ratify that it wasn't a red card mm. than some of the other ones we've seen. It felt like this one The thing is he he never left the floor. Right? No. He didn't get any of the ball when he was halfway up uh the shin of the other player, but they was both on the floor, both sliding in. Exactly. I think that's so, what saves him, the yeah. fact that they were both out, both going in. If the other guy had stayed on his feet and then had gone in like that, mm-hmm. I think it's a different conversation. Yeah. Um, Pete, any... Um, I'm just questioning. I don't, I don't know whether it was a, the same challenge or not, but I, I remember that as him going for the ball and the ball sort of gets the first contact from um, know, who was challenging with him and his foot's just sort of ricocheted off the ball and gone into him. Um, I thought it was a 50-50 and he just missed out by milliseconds. Mm. I, I didn't see it as a red, but you know, to get away with no cards at all, I, I wouldn't really argue either side of the fence. To be honest with you. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I can't who was it? I think it was Romero um, against Chelsea on Monday where he's he's won the ball initially and then his foot has ricocheted up and he's followed through. One where he got sent off. One where he got sent off, yeah, onto his leg. It's the pure aggression. Yeah, that that was, it looked like he was trying to do the play. No, absolutely. And I, I'm, not for, I'm not for one minute suggesting that this is, from that point of view, the same. But if we're talking about where, the, where your foot ricochets off the ball and goes into a player's leg, where do you draw the line? Is it purely just down to intent? Is it just down to... Um, the level of aggression and speed you're putting into the challenge. I think aggression has a lot to mm-hmm. to play in it as well because when you're slowing it down, you know, studs in in the shin or on the ankle or up, up the top of the leg, in any still is going to look bad, isn't it? Um, if if it's a fifty fifty challenge like that one was, they're both stuck to the ground and they're both going in for the same ball. You know, he's he's quite obviously making trying to make contact with the ball. He's not going in with any malicious intent. It's a bit easier to decipher something like that. But when you're pummeling in like Romero was, it's a bit more understandable of why a referee would book someone. Yeah, and Romero's a bit of a twat and he's got previous as well. Probably comes into it. Um, yeah, I think overall, I think Liverpool fans are going to be very, very pleased with how their how their season's going. If they can continue to keep the, uh, the, the defensive line a bit tighter, even if they concede chances, which they have been. I mean, in Burmo should have scored when he went clean through yeah. against that. It was a good save. That's Madison. a great ball to him as well. Yeah, it really was. Um, it's, and Burma, he does everything right. His first touch is outstanding. Cuts across the defender to sort of like make the defender say, well, you're going to challenge me or leave me alone. Um, and he just tries to be too cute. I just feel like you just roll it past the keeper yeah. at that point, take the goal. So, yeah, disappointing for disappointing for Brentford, but they've been pretty good recently. They've, they've won three of the last six. I think they'll be pretty pleased with how things are going. I think for Brentford, do you think they'll be, you know, they've, they've won four, drawn four, lost four, a little bit like Chelsea have. I think they'd be pretty satisfied without Tony, with that sort of form and how they've been playing. Yeah, they'll be absolutely. very pleased with that. But then it goes back to what do Brentford expect and what do their fans expect? Where do they think they should be in the table? Personally, around there is probably about right for me. Yeah, so. I would say somewhere between 8th and 12th. Mm. 8th would be a fantastic season. 12th yeah. would be a little bit underwhelming, but still a decent season. Palace positions. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the Palace area, isn't it? Um, so yeah, no, I think they've um, I think they've done they've done well. Uh, right, let's move on. Let's talk about Wolves against Tottenham. 
I know <laughs> Lee missed out on the opportunity to really dig into Spurs last week, but Wolves have given you another opportunity this week, mate. Won the league in October, lost it in November. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, I've very much enjoyed the memes coming out about this, where the, you had the um, the league table, uh, won the league in 11 games or whatever it was. I've seen one about um, looking forward to Tottenham's season review DVD, which is 11 games long. Um, there's been lots. There's been lots of good jokes flying around. Um, and Poster lost oh. too. <laughs> <laughs> the other one where they said, "Oh, we're still undefeated with eleven men on the pitch." Yeah, you yeah, yeah. They've, they've all been flying around, haven't they? Um, Poster Cogley has won Manager of the Month for three times in a row. Poster Cog too. <laughs> Poster lost too. Oh, Poster lost too. Even better. Could be, could be, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, three Manager of the Month awards in a row. I thought was. Uh, you know, a, a very good achievement for him. It's, it's been a good reflection on the start they've they've made. Um, but there's no getting away from the fact that that game on Monday against Chelsea, you know, we sort of joked at the time that that could be a bit of a season turner, and it might well be. I mean, the amount of sort of uh, negativity, if you like, that's come out of that with the injuries, with the suspensions. Could the wheels fall off a little bit, do we think? Are they in, is that a bit of a danger? I think they're in trouble. Uh, losing Van der Ven and Madison is their biggest mm. issue, and I think they're out till the new year, I yeah. think. So, yeah, Madison's one's particularly bad because they didn't think that was that bad initially. No. Um, obviously, that was confirmed to be worse, and Van der Ven's, I think we knew, was going to be bad based on how he pulled up, up in the yeah. game. Um So, yeah, Spurs have got to, they've, they've got to rally themselves here. Um, You know, you, you doggy... We'll be back, Romero. I don't know whether he's a one or a three game for for the type of foul that he's committed. Surely it's a three. Violent. It wasn't violent conduct, was it? They'll call it serious foul play. So I suspect it's going to be one. I think violent conduct is three. Um. So there's no getting away from the fact that they've they've got to they've got to rally themselves and regroup here because they've got, um, Villa next. Then they've got Man City. Then West Ham. Then Newcastle. So they've got a tough run of fixtures coming up. Um. And I don't think. It's unfair to say that Madison could be a really pivotal miss for them. Um, a lot of their goals have not necessarily been assists or goals from him, but it starts with him. He's yeah. their creative spark, isn't he? So yeah, he's really going to be missed for them. I don't know who really who really takes his place in that midfield. They don't really have anybody mm, else, no. do they? Who's who's like Madison? He's he's a he's a bit of a talisman for them. So yeah, I think. Um, you know, I would I would still be very very happy if I was a Spurs fan of the season, the start we've had. But I think that now attention's now got to turn to putting this fire out as quickly as humanly possible and getting back to doing what they've been doing so well this season. Um, but uh, what about Wolves though? Because this is further evidence of, of the amazing job that Gary O'Neill is doing. I think they've they've played well all season. Uh, they've been done by VAR at least twice. He's bloody deserved that. They sure. they play good football. They just very much like Chelsea, they can't put, can't put the ball in the back of the net. Mm. I think it was um, earlier on in the season they lost. I think it was four one to Brighton. But watching that game, that was never a four one game. They had more chances than Brighton. Yeah, and you look at their results recently. I mean, they they obviously they drew with Newcastle. Very unfortunate not to get the win yeah. there. Uh, they've beaten Spurs, who were who were flying. Appreciate they had the injuries and whatever. They beat Man City. Um, uh, they should have beaten United first game of the season. So. When you dig into their results a little bit, their their performances have been really, really good. Um, can we talk also about Sarabia's goal? Oh, what a touch. <laughs> I mean, that was one of the most satisfying goals mm. I've, I've seen in a while. That was almost like street football stuff. 
Um, the first touch was was outstanding, and then the volley before it hits the deck. Oh my god, that was that was that was something pretty special to win it in that in that way as well. Um, and I'm sure you enjoyed yourself as well because that was a that was wasn't that in your bet on Saturday? Yeah, I had a uh, early accumulator, well, a double, and uh, yeah, they uh, I had Wolves to win and Girona, and they both come in. Wolves to win, and they came in the ninety first and ninety seventh minute. <laughs> minute goals to win the game. Um, yeah, I, I just wonder um, with with Wolves when we come around to January, what's going to be what the art of the possible is with Wolves because they obviously had to offload a lot of players in the summer. Um, you know what what can Wolves realistically do? I wonder. You know what financial strength do they have to to try and increase the depth of this squad because they've got seemingly a manager who's getting them going who's getting them playing there's still some talented players there I mean Neto is obviously a big miss mm-hmm. for him being injured but there are rumours that he might be moving on anyway mm-hmm. um, so you know Wolves don't feel like they're a million miles away from having a team that can actually begin to just push that you know upper mid table again or even creep into the top half of the table I think they're very much like Brentford in that in sense of uh between eight and twelve, be a good season. I think this mm. year. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, right, let's move on. We're going to talk. We're going to whisk through some of these games tonight. Um, let's talk Palace against Everton. Um, another brilliant game. Another yeah, fantastic game. We've had been some corkers this weekend. We still got a couple more to talk about. On paper, before the game, nil nil written all over. Yeah, that. I mean, I, <laughs> I didn't. I did not see this coming, especially when there was two goals in the opening. What four minutes? Yeah. Four or five minutes. Um, for Everton, though, I mean, you know, this is, you know, beginning to look a little bit better now. I mean, Sean Dyche is now getting a bit of a tune out of them. Um, they've, they've started scoring a few more goals. They're not conceding as many, but bar this, bar this game. Um, and all of a sudden, things are looking a little bit brighter at Everton. I think he started to get his philosophy in, hasn't he? He's very much like he was at Burnley, the 4-4-2, very rigid, solid, hard to break down. And they're sharing the goals around quite a lot. They're not they're not reliant on one player, which is really important. I mean, Cavalier obviously has been back in the side and, and among the goals, but you know, Decore's been scoring, McNeil's been scoring, there are goals from defenders as well. Mikelenko, yeah. yeah. That's a really good goal as well. Um so yeah, I think, you know, for all the doom and gloom that's been surrounding Everton, and of course there is still the FFP yeah. hanging over their heads. We don't really know what's gonna happen with that. Um, it's almost like news comes out they give a little bit of gossip and then it goes quiet for another six months so mm. I don't think anything's going to happen from it yeah I mean if it does it's highly unlikely to go into this season I no, suspect exactly. it'll probably yeah. go into next year um, but yeah I think that it's, things are looking really positive there um, I mean as you said Lee before the game you know, nil nil written all over this one did this tell you anything about um, Palace at all that we didn't already know for me this this was just further evidence of how important Eze is to their team well he looked really good he played really well he was probably their only shining light yeah do we know when Elise's back I think wasn't he was he back on the weekend was he on the bench I don't think so I can have a little have a little look was he I saw looking was he in the uh, was he on the bench oh he was no you're right yeah. he was, was he? He, uh, yeah, came, I thought came he came bench. on um, came off for Jeffrey Schlupp. Oh. So, yeah. Did you think um, Eze getting done for diving? Do you think it was a dive? Uh, I'm trying to cast my mind back. Yeah, well, that was that, was that the, the two penalty shouts? So the first the, one was first given. The first one was given and the second one wasn't. Yeah, yeah. 
from, I mean, from was, memory, I think it, I, I'm sure I remember looking at it thinking, yes, that is a dive. Yeah, uh, there was very little contact. I was quite surprised that um, when I watched Match of the Day that they were sort of saying, yeah, I think it is a penalty. I thought, it's very, it's the very way the game's soft. gone now, isn't it? But talking about dives, actually, if we cast minds back to the City-Chelsea game, Doku got done for one. Mm-hmm. And Carragher was seemingly like... He was a bit weird in that entire game, Carragher, with some of his takes, to be honest. But on this particular one, he was saying that he thought he was harsh. And it's like, for me, that is a stonewall dive mm. from Doku. Like, how can you say that that's a harsh one to give him a yellow guard for? I, don't, I don't know if the, the rules on diving have suddenly changed overnight. Or... <laughs> um, um, the, the celebration that he gave to Jordan Pickford when he scored, um, do you know what that was about at all? I don't. Um, I don't know whether something's been said during the game. Um, obviously, it was pretty early, so unless something's happened in the tunnel. I, I was just I was scrolling through Twitter. Obviously, I saw the goal of match today, and it's sort of like a he's either done like a multiply or or a plus sign with his fingers to Pickford after he sat him on his ass, which was quite an amusing penalty in there. Um, but on Twitter, there, there's someone saying that he's been in his partner's DMs, so he's sending him a kiss. What Eze's been in Pickford's DMs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, okay. Someone else suggesting that because he's got little arms and he's a dinosaur that he was putting a shield up and bits of that. So I just thought I'd ask you guys and see. No. Like I didn't even see it. No? No, I, I saw him do the sign, but I just... I, no, I, I didn't think anything of it. Because I tried looking back at his previous goals to see if he's done it before and he hasn't. So I have no idea what the blood hell he was doing. I mean, if he's if he's uh, slid into Pickford's Mrs. DMs, and he's throwing a kiss. I mean, that's that's Jamie Vardy <laughs> levels of shithousery, that is. Um, but uh, no, I think... Um, I just wonder with, with Palace, you know, um, just at what point, do you, as a fan, do you look at your club? And West Ham, are, we're not in that bracket, but we're not a million miles from it, where you think, when are we going to roll the dice and actually try something? And I know Palace did do that with Frank De Boer a few years ago, and it really backfired. But at what point do Palace try and roll the dice with something? Because Roy Hodgson, you know, to say he's not getting any younger would be an understatement. At some point, he's going to have to move on. What do Palace do next? Because there were some signs of improvement under Vieira. Didn't quite happen for him. But they surely, you know, they've they've got to think about can we can we now progress? Because if you stagnate in the Premier League, sooner or later you're gonna you're gonna fall down that league. It's it's hard to get a pull. I mean, you look at how many quality teams are in London, and the only real path they can get is either finding gems or loaning off Chelsea, like with um, Gallagher. With Gallagher, you know, you're not going to get a pull if you, if you've got a Chelsea or an Arsenal in in London that are willing to pay the exact same sort of wages. Plus, they're not going to be able to compete with that, are they? Yeah, I saw a. Um... I can't remember which game it was, but they had Steve Parrish, the Crystal Palace chairman. Mm. He was on Sky Sports giving an interview and talking about the club and they sort of like had a bit of a three to five year plan about how they were going to redevelop parts of the stadium and start trying to invest more the money. Stadium's a shit hole as it, well. It, right? Yeah, it definitely needs, uh, definitely needs uh, renovating. Um, and, you know, he was talking a good game about how, you know, you know, I think actually the woman said about, you know, what, what do you think about the, you know, in the next... 10 years, where do you want to see Palace? And he even said, he said, to be honest, by the time Palace get to that point where those sorts of questions need answering, it's probably going to be somebody else's question to answer, almost hinting that he's not, you know, going to be there for the long run because sooner or later, he's either going to get bored, he's going to walk, whatever. Um, but I just wonder if, if I'm a Crystal Palace fan, where's the excitement season to season? 
you know, do you what what do what are your honest aspirations going into the season? With West Ham, for example, I go into each season and historically we've normally been reasonably, you know, ambitious, let's say, in the transfer market, even if the transfers themselves have worked out to be shit. Um, you've obviously got the big stadium, we've had we've had a one or two big name managers. There's always been something there that you can kind of grab onto and think, yeah, come on, this this could be the season where we could really fucking get out of the league and go at them. I don't know if there's ever been anything in the last five to ten years with Palace that they can really grab onto and say, yeah, come on, this is going to be our season. It's just, yeah, just hover around mid-table, just mid-table mediocrity, isn't it? It's just... Yeah, I, do, I feel... Must be pretty, yeah, pretty dull being a, a Palace fan because you pretty much know what yeah. what's going to happen season to season. I mean, outside of maybe a cup run, mm. you know, where they go deep mm. in the cup maybe to get them excited, you know, even if they, you know... Beat, let's say Man City turned up to Selhurst Park and they turned them over 2 0. You know, that's an amazing moment, but in the grand scheme of the season, it means nothing mm-hmm. because you, of you've beaten a team in the same league as you. Yeah, that, that's literally all it is. But if that was, say, Luton or Sheffield United, that's massive because not only is that a day to remember for them, but it also could be the difference between them staying in the league and not. So there's, there's, there's different levels there. I mean, a lot of the teams in London, you know, even, even Fulham now as well, they're changing the way that the, the club is run. They're changing the stadium. I mean, Fulham, as as iconic as it is, it needs upgrading. Mm-hmm. Palace hasn't changed for years. It's been a long Absolutely time. Years. I, I, like the, the bloody petrol station looks better than the actual <laughs> stadium. You drive past it. I'm pretty sure their um, their club shop is in a fucking container. Really? When you drive past it. Oh yeah. wow, that's not not good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I went to Selhurst Park many moons ago. Now, probably when I was twelve or thirteen with my dad. And I'm, I'm, it hasn't changed a bit from what I've seen on the telly. What people told me it hasn't changed a bit. And it was, as you say, it was a shithole back then. So, yeah, I, I just feel for Palace fans. You know, even even Everton, they're in that, not in a too dissimilar bracket, I suppose, because, you know, they, they've got all these other problems. But actually, the excitement for them is, actually, can we begin to rebuild ourselves and get us back up the league again? So there is something to kind of grab onto there. Um, so, yeah. Hopefully, Palace can do something for their for their fans in the not too distant future. But you know, keeping older players like Eze or Lise is going to be key because if they let those players go, it really is. A well, I think that was quite a big statement when uh, Eze didn't end up going to Chelsea and mm. then signing a um, a new contract. I think that's quite big. Yeah, uh, it's a really positive. And Elise was linked with PSG. I don't know mm. how serious those links ever were, but the fact that he's still there is is big as well. So. Um, yeah, to say Eze is definitely Palace's loser. Ha, you know they they found almost a like for like replacement because some of the uh, the the weaving runs that he did at the weekend were, were outstanding. So um, another one to keep on England's radar with a bit of luck mm-hmm. because he's uh, another one that could easily be in that squad if he carries on this sort of form. Um, right, let's move on. We're going to talk um, West Ham against Nottingham Forest um, for a change. Sky Sports got it right, didn't they? They picked two games on Super Sunday, and he produced 13 goals. So for a change, it was quite good. I'll be honest, um, I would have preferred if West Ham hadn't been involved in another five-goal game. Um, I mean, the the, the table um, for us, I mean, looking at our goal difference, we've conceded 22 goals. Uh, I think we... Are we still the fourth worst? Joint fourth worst in the the league for goals conceded. Um, it's just I'm I'm really concerned at the way we can see goals because we just make it so easy for teams. Um, Pete, so, what was your what was your take on this game? Uh, 
a bit of everything really. Um, sort of highlights the fact that Ward Prowse should be picked for the England squad, which we've covered already. How important Jared Bowen is for West Ham. How leaky West Ham are at the back to <laughs> any given team that they play in 90 minutes of football. Um, but also, how important Paqueta is for you? I'm literally, I'm scared if we lose him in January to, to Man City. Four minutes since his return, he scores a goal. I believe it was. Um, his stats were something like seven out of um, ten progressions on the ball. It's, that's just ridiculous. And I don't want you to get rid of him because <laughs> if, if you lose Paqueta, if Bowen's out injured or if Ward Prowse is out injured, you are going to plummet down that league table. Yeah. Um, I think the, the, the biggest... The, the thing with West Ham is that in, the, in recent years, we've always had one player who has been a bit of a flair play. He's been a bit of a get the fans out of their seats. We've had Payet, we've had Paqueta, mm. Arnautovic to a point, not to the same degree, but you know he was a player that could make things happen. Um, and West Ham fans have always liked that. We've always liked having that one player who can just do something a bit creative, a bit sort of a, you know unknown, if you like. And he just... He's, he's, he is an enigma because there are moments where you think he could play for any fucking team in the world and there are other moments where genuinely he actually almost costs us goals because he tries he, he's so creative he just doesn't seem to know sometimes when the time to just play simple passes mm. he always wants to try the creative thing he always wants to try and be um, you know play that killer pass or play the hardest pass he can possibly see rather than just playing a five yard ball and it does get us in trouble a lot um, but um Lee, I mean, when you when you I suppose both to both of you, when you watch West Ham, are you do you get why we're frustrated as fans when we see the sort of the tactics and the setup and the way we play? There's plenty of potential in your side to actually get better results than what you do. I mean, this game could have gone either way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very uh, much so. Forest could count themselves unlucky to, well, at least not get a point. Yeah, uh, up until when we equalised to, uh, to two all, I wouldn't have had any complaints at that mm. point if not if I had gone on and won the game because I thought they were the better team. I thought they were the better team. They created mm. more, they looked more positive. Um, yeah, and I wouldn't have had any complaints. Obviously, Ward-Prowse has bailed us out with two fantastic mm. deliveries into the box. We've had two really good headers. Um, I actually thought Bowen was really quiet how, in this game. How does Bowen win a header? He's about four foot tall. <laughs> no one sees him run. Yeah. No, no one tracked him, so... so. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's, everyone's interested in Zuma, Agher, yeah. Suchek and all that. They forget about Bowen. Um, but he was actually really quiet. So, so Moyes, credit to him, he actually benched Antonio and put Bowen up through the middle. But actually, having witnessed that now, and obviously it worked perfectly against Arsenal, but our mm. game plan was very different against Arsenal. We actually pressed really high. We didn't do that against Forest. We sat off them again. And I just... It, it boggles the mind. I know we didn't. I know Arsenal didn't put out their strongest team against us, but it was still a a, a team very much capable of beating us. Oh yeah. And the fact that we played like we did, why don't we fucking play like that against everybody? Why is it only teams like Arsenal, Liverpool, and Chelsea or whoever that we played like that against? Because if you play like that against a team like Forest, there's no way they're going to live with you. Do you think that's down to the manager, or do you think that's just players just getting up for it more, or <sighs> possibly a combination of both? But I guess. 
it depends where you where you draw the line in terms of whose responsibility it is to get the players motivated. An element of it does have to come from the players, but equally, the players have to feel motivated that they're being given the tools and the tactics with which to go out and have a chance of winning a game. And for West Ham, every single game that we've played in this season where we've had we've had more possession than the other team, we look clueless. We, it's like the players, despite how many creative players we've got, it looks like they just don't quite know what to do. Should we be going forward? Should we be keeping the ball? Whereas when we are counter-attacking, the decision's made for yeah. you. It's literally, feels like it's the only way you know how to play is that counter-attack. Yeah, and in the first half, when Forrest began to come back at us, there's a couple of times where we broke and we actually, mm-hmm. and even again in the second half, we made a right pigs in Pacatar. should have scored, shouldn't he? Yeah, there was, yeah. Two, there was two or three with Pacatar and, and others where like either the pass or, was poor. Or one at one point. Yeah, either the pass was poor or um, the shot was poor, whatever it was. And that's the moment where you think, right, that's where West Ham can get excited. But then if you're going to do that, then just don't press at all. Mm-hmm. Get the ball and go. But when you've, when you've then got the ball, because the other teams like Forrest and Everton the other week, they're quite happy to do the same thing. They'll they'll let you have the ball, and that's where West Ham struggle. So, um, but your striker's not scoring goals. Well, Bowen's playing up front through the middle. Different story because obviously he did score the weekend. But Antonio and Ings not scoring is a big problem. David Moyes has apparently been asked about why he's not been playing Mabama, which is obviously the guy I've been talking mm. about recently. Um, his answer was something along the lines of, "You know, he's only eighteen. You don't see many eighteen-year-olds up fighting the Premier League." And just do we'll, Bellingham playing for Real Madrid. You know? Well, yeah, and, and he said, we'll, we'll give him a chance when there's opportunities to do so sort of thing. And you're thinking, you're literally bringing Danny Ings on, who's doing nothing every week. Cole Palmer, Rico Lewis. Yeah. That's it you're doing, um, and they're still top of the league. I mean, Haaland banging in goals since he was about 12 years old. Mm. Um, you know, that, that Rashford, when he burst on the scene at United, must have been about the same age. It's, mm. it's not like it's never happened. It's just he's too scared to do it. Unless you give them that opportunity, you're never going to know. You've got, you've got to... In effect, just chuck them in the deep end and see how they cope with it. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's stupid to say, but we almost need an injury crisis mm. for Mabama to play in the same way that I guess Rashford burst on the scene because they had an injury crisis mm. at the time as well. But we need Antonio Ings and Bowen all to be injured because Bowen now playing up through the middle, that's another player that Moyes will consider ahead of Mabama in the pecking order. In so, In terms of your top scorers, do you know who's second for you after Bowen? Suchek. Suchek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All headers, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, he should he at the bar as well. He probably should have scored. I don't know why he stretched for it. He didn't need to, but he ended up in the bar. So, yeah, look, I know I'm covering old ground with West Ham. I've, I've covered this before, but uh, I want to finish the point with West Ham before we talk about Forrest. Um, Rumours recently that David Moyes has been told that there is going to be no deal for him at the end of the season. Mm-hmm. If that's true... Um, how do you guys, if this was your team, for example, how do you feel about your manager being told three months into a season that he's not going to have a job at the end of the, at the end of the season? Do you think that's a dangerous game to play? It could be, but you'd like to think Moyes has been there a while now that he wouldn't, in effect, sort of down tools and sort of be like, "Well, I've done anyway. So it doesn't matter what I do." You'd like to think that he would be professional enough to take the team as far as he possibly can. I'd also like to think that if it was my team, that they'd know who's coming in. Yes, that's very key. So if they've told him that now that that you're not sticking around after this season, I'd like to know that there was someone pretty concrete um, to know that they're coming in. Yeah. So I think fully agree with him. 
um, with Lee, sorry, him. <laughs> um, the transparency, if it is true, um, is good to see. And I think Moyes would be a, a total professional in that. Um, it gives you enough time to plan, gives him to time to decide what to do in the for the future if he's going to go and in manage Man United again. And sort of, uh, <laughs> Christ, is he? Uh, he can't. He can't be disgruntled. I don't think. I mean, he's getting to. He's probably knocking on about seventy now, isn't he? Bless him. Uh, I'm going to say probably, he's probably doing him a discredit. Yeah, there, I would right? say he's probably like late fifties, early sixties yeah. would be my guess. Uh, he's he's won a European competition with you. Let's let's see how he does at the end of the season. But ultimately. Everyone knows he can't get you much further. No, I think that's the, that's the key thing, isn't it? Has he hit the ceiling with us? I mean, you watch him go and win the fucking Europa League now. Because <laughs> um, if he wins the Europa League, you have to give him a new contract. Uh, because he would be, he would, that's us in the Champions League next year if that happens. Um, so, I, you know, I, all of the pundits, all of the, the general media are all saying that West Ham have to be very careful what they wish for. And I totally understand that because he has brought stability. He has brought an element of success in the in the European trophy and some... Uh, some high finishes in the Premier League. But at some point, you have to roll the dice. Mm. And I feel like everything else behind the scenes with West Ham has changed and it is a bit more of a forward-thinking operation behind the scenes. And unless Moyes is willing to come to the table and adjust his style of play, then I feel like we have to take that risk. We have to roll the dice. Probably Especially if you want to keep players like Kudas, Pakatar, yeah. Bowen, all that lot. I think the problem with these older managers is they are very set in their ways. So I doubt he would. He, I don't think he could change the mm. way he um, he coaches. And I appreciate that you know the old saying goes: "There's many, there's multiple ways to skin a cat. There's multiple ways to win a game of football." Right? I'm not saying that Moyes' tactics are, are never going to work because clearly they do. But at some point, you have to think. You have to look at that squad of players. And I, I look at that squad of players, and outside of defensively, we could. Need, we either need to improve or we need to maybe bring one or two new recruits in. Um, but going forward, you know, there are a lot of teams in this Premier League that we could cause some serious problems mm. with, with a forward line of Bowen, Pakatar, Kudus, mm. Will Prowse, um, and whichever striker we end up with in the next 12 months, whether it's a better inform Antonio, unlikely, um, Mabama or somebody else. There, there, there's a team there, and I feel like you, West Ham have to look at teams like Villa and Brighton and look what they're doing. You know, these are teams who've, you know, Villa have obviously got the resources behind the scenes to, to back it up, but Brighton certainly don't. No. Um, but yet they are playing a brand of football that's, you know, really working for them. So we shall see. Anyway, that's enough about West Ham. Let's talk about Nottingham Forest. Um, I um, I was quite impressed. Uh, I thought Niakite, I think that's how you pronounce his name, at centre-back, I thought was really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, Langer. Alanga, yeah, Alanga, my God. I mean, Not I, either of them. Yeah, <laughs> I really thought um, Kufa was going to get sent off in this game because Alanga got him booked about 15 minutes in mm. and I was like, holy shit, because they got the ball to Alanga a lot and he was he was really attacking Kufa and I thought, oh my God, he's going to get sent off here. Um, and then Kudos got booked for bringing Alanga down as well and I thought, fuck it, he's going to have to do something here. In the end, it didn't happen. Um, but actually, I, I, I do like what Steve Cooper has done there. I think he's... Done a really good job there, Pete. What's, what's, I know you've got a bit closer to him, obviously, from the EFL days, but um, what, do, what do you think of his job so far? It's a breath of fresh air from not to be signing 50 players and just going for a couple of decent ones. <laughs> um, a one year this season has been a, a shadow of himself, really. Um, Took his goal well in this game, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alanga, like, he's, like you've alluded to, how, how they got him, I have no idea. Because mm. Man United could really have done with him. 
Uh, Forest are they've kept their home form, which is massive for them. Really, mm-hmm. I don't know how they do it because I really don't think their squad on paper is that great. Gibbs White, I like as well. They play right football. And they do. They do play a decent style of football. Um, I think there's one or two other players. They're like Sangare. That's a that's a coup to get him from mm. PSV. That's a big signing. Um, I think that's their um, Olympiacos links, though, isn't it? So probably getting, um, getting a lot of pull. Did you know that after you beat them, it's the first time that someone's beaten. Oh, I can't remember the bloke, the owner's name. First time that they've lost a game in succession. So you beat Olympiacos and then you beat uh, <laughs> Forest. Forest, you're the first team to do it. Nice, nice little well, it makes it makes it yeah it makes a nice change for a stat to go in our favour for a change. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then they had the other centre back was it Murillo, the Brazilian guy? They, they it's hilariously they were actually talking about him in the build up on Sky Sports about how he's this sort of he reminds me of David Luiz, just sort of like defending his very second mm-hmm. in his uh, in his mind, mm. and he loves to bring the ball out of defence. It's cost them a few goals. He pulled up injured as well. But no, I feel like Forrest, I think they'll be probably a bit disappointed with their league position, with how some of the, they've played some of their games. Um, depth is going to be a real problem for them, though. Obviously, come the African Cup of Nations, yeah. um, they're going to lose a lot of their talented yeah. players. That could be a really... They need to get some more points on the board before January comes around to make sure you, that they're not... I see I, I see it on a different spell. I think you're, you're trying to say you're impressed with Nottingham Forest. Um, I'm impressed with how they've been playing. I'm yeah. impressed with their results. Pleasantly yeah. surprised, I think. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps of... maybe I'm more pleasantly yeah. surprised. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm on the edge of that because it's. I think they they play well, but they don't play well consistently through ninety minutes, and yeah. that's what costs them points. Because you you see them go through a phase of 40, 50 minutes of good, steady football, and then twenty minutes time they'll, they'll ship two goals mm. well, I mean, in yeah. a way that's exactly what they did at the weekend yeah well, Steve, that's, Steve that's what's costing said, them points they basically um, common miss out words basically said that people sort of can be bothered to defend mm. and he really wasn't happy about that yeah and he, he said that this was a game that's got away from us because we absolutely could have won this game mm. and he said that we've just had these moments in games where we just almost choose not to defend um, and as you I mean you sort of joked about the fact that Bowen's won a header but you know, as a Premier League manager at that level, that is going to piss you off. Mm-hmm. Jared Bowen should not be winning a header on the edge of your six-yard box to score a goal. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think... I, I don't necessarily think that Forrest are, you know, going to be putting up any trees and suddenly flying up the league. No. But I think that... They need to see the games out. Yeah, they do need to improve on that. But I don't necessarily think, despite where they are in the league right now, I wouldn't expect them to be too heavily involved in a relegation fight oh, at be, this point. I think they'll be fine. At this point in time. Um, unless things really go south um, with injuries or you know with African Cup of Nations, but we we spoke last year quite early on because I think Forest were like rock bottom of the table, weren't they? Yeah, it took yeah, them a while so. to get off the get off the mark. But this season, it does seem like there are only four contenders for the relegation because I don't see Fulham being anywhere near the conversation. Forest anywhere near it. Everton anywhere near it. That they're just all going to pull away from them. Yeah, is I Spurs could get dragged in. <laughs> I don't think that we'll uh, we'll see what happened last season, where you had the sort of the seven eight teams towards the it's end. It's a of the shame, season. but yeah, it made it very interesting. Well, I should say no, it didn't because West Ham were fucking one of them. Oh, we were nearly in that. <laughs> I'd, I'd much rather it be that way, that where there's four concrete for relegation and only one can survive. Sort of like an I'm a celebrity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would much rather it at the top of the table like that because that is a lot more entertaining. 
I can't remember the last time it's been like that. Yeah, I mean, we're going international, international, but we are almost one third of the way through the season and we've got three points separating the top five teams. Um, I, you know, I haven't done my research, but I'd, I'd lay good money that it's not been that tight for a long time. Um, but yeah, in terms of the bottom end of the league, you would imagine um, Bournemouth, Luton, Sheffield United and Burnley are all going to be in a, in a, a spot of bother come the end of the season. Um, and let's move on to that because it's a shame that Shearer's not here tonight and I probably know why. Uh, Bournemouth 2, Newcastle 0. Um, now, Newcastle have been uh, in, the, in the papers this week. We'll talk about that part first. What do you guys make of? I don't think the vote has happened yet, but this this talk about where um, they're going to try and veto and put a stop to Premier League clubs who are owned by Saudi clubs or Saudi people who are involved with Saudi clubs and preventing loans coming in. So this would potentially scupper the Ruben Neves deal. Should Newcastle try and explore it? What, what do we think? Do we think that's a good thing? Do we think this is a bit too um, convenient that they've only just done this now? I personally don't have an issue with it. What is it? You don't care one way or the other or you think it should be banned? Oh, I don't care. I mean, we, we've had injuries this season in League One and then we get loanees that, that come in for whether it be a few weeks, a few months or the rest of the season. It's just like any other team. You need the depth back. I think with this, this, this is more potentially stopping clubs getting around FFP. Because what the, the the scenario here is, and I'm not suggesting this is going to happen. This is just what's been talked about. What you can see happening: Wolves have sold Neves for fifty million, was it something like that, to to this club in Saudi Arabia that's owned yeah. by the same people who are Newcastle. Newcastle then loan him in from that Saudi Arabian club for a nominal fee. Newcastle don't have to worry about FFP because you know they you know uh, because they're not paying any money for him. They've already spent big money on Tanali and that sort of thing. And then come the end of the season, do they then buy him for a, a fraction of the cost and really circumvent the FFP? You can't, you can't have that issue because they've been scrutinised for the past year or two for fit and proper, which is the first argument in that. Yeah. They know full well that they own these other clubs. They've done comprehensive background checks on them and it's still not a rule. I actually kind of agree with that. I think, I think this would only start becoming a problem if it was two, three, four players that they start doing it with. Mm. It's the odd player. It's and also I could you could kind of we've seen it happen with the MLS before. I mean, I know maybe the ownership part of it is out of the equation, but we've seen players go over to America and then be loaned back to Premier League clubs. Beckham has done it. Beckham, Lampard. Um, Lampard. We've seen um, Landon Donovan. That sort of thing. So it's it's not um it's not unprecedented, it's not unheard of. I just feel like this is rather convenient. I just as you say, Pete, if if you're gonna if you're gonna check these clubs or the, these owners and say to them, Yes, you've passed the fit and proper test, why are we then saying, Oh, actually, no, you're just doing stuff that's breaking the law? Well, if that's the case, then then why why are we letting them buy the clubs in the first place? Exactly. Um so yeah, I don't know. As much as it's funny because it's you know I like winding sheer up about Newcastle stuff. If I was him, having seen Man City, you know, and Chelsea sell Forest do it as well. With yeah, with the Olympiacos exactly. Um, you know, Chelsea and City have sold players to Saudi Arabia this summer for for reasonable fees. Let's say, I'd say inflated fees, inflated fees in some cases. 
um, and no one really batted an eyelid. But as soon as the whole Tonali thing and then Ruben Neves comes into it, all of a sudden when they're having a vote. So I do see why Newcastle fans would be a bit pissed off with this as to why it's now suddenly a problem. Um, but uh, it might become more of a problem for me soon because apparently there are rumours circulating that the guy who was going to buy United is now circling around West Ham. So I could be, we could be the next one to be owned by the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I'd be very torn about it because I would be obviously very excited about the potential money coming in and everything else. But the flip side of it is just like how much of football is being eaten away by just money. Um, T- touching on that quickly with your um, stadium, what's the what's happening with that? Because you did say in in. Um, a certain amount of time you could buy it well the the um the time frame was um we had to wait a certain amount of time to be passed before we could buy it without having to pay a huge amount of either tax or something like that on it um to it was basically to avoid any like naughty deals behind the scene basically but now that time has passed we don't have to worry about paying any either i don't know if it's tax or there was there was some other fees um, involved in it um, that prevented our owners from buying it. That time has now passed, um, but obviously we've lost one of our owners who passed away. Yeah. I don't know what the what David um, uh, David Gold is going to do. Uh, sorry, David Sullivan. Um, we've got obviously the Krasinski guy coming in. If this Shake guy comes in as well, I I think sooner or later we will buy the stadium. At some point we're going to own it because it can't stay as a as a no. athletics thing forever. It's not it's not viable. So the best thing that will happen will be we'll buy it, we'll transform it a bit more into a more of a football stadium and then do what all the other clubs are doing and use it for events, so, you know, concerts, NFL, all, all that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, that's a conversation for another day. Um, so back to the ball with Newcastle uh, game. This was a massive result. Let's not get away from the fact how big of a result this is for Iriola um, at Bournemouth. You know, that's two wins in three games now for him. Takes them out of the relegation zone um, and just perhaps keeps... Keeps the doubters quieter for now. Um, did anybody see this result coming? <laughs> no, but it was fully deserved. Newcastle were awful, really bad. As as much as Bournemouth were good, Newcastle were really poor. Mm. That was very much a uh, game of whoever speaks first loses. <laughs> <laughs> I did see um, some of the Newcastle fans were very unhappy. Did you guys see the video yeah. of Trippier having an argument? Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Yeah, that's you know. I feel like, can you not afford your Newcastle players one bad game? Mm. You know they've been so good for for twelve, eighteen months. How long it's been now? They're in the Champions League. Can you not really you know give them a give them a pass if they have one shit game? They're starting to get above their stations a bit. Aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Why is Shearer not here? <laughs> um, I mean, we saw it with Brighton a few years ago, and they were booing uh, Graham Potter as well for losing one game. They were booing him and they were drawing, weren't they? They were drawing nil-nil at home and they were, they were, they were booing him. Um, I, no, I, I think the, the boos are accepted to some degree because you look at the, the difference. You can argue that Newcastle had a depleted squad. It wasn't really that depleted. He's still got a good squad there. Still good enough to be bored, let's be honest. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was Shearer's uh, C team, like he said. I think he was just uh, <laughs> a little bit upset, bless him. Um but you, yeah, you don't lose 2-0 in that sort of performance to one of the worst sides in the league. Absolutely no way. So I can, I can sort of understand the boos to some respect. Um, but equally, Newcastle have had a great start to the mm. season overall. 
And they should have done better. Yeah, I mean, the Champions League has taken a little bit of a turn, isn't it? You know, back-to-back losses against Dortmund puts them bottom of the groups and now they've got an uphill task now. At one point, it was looking highly likely they were going to get out of the group and now not so much. Um, Do you feel that people can use the excuse that they're tired, even though we're so early on in the season? I, I don't see how you can say that they're... I don't know they look tired and they look leggy, but really should they be at this this stage of the season? I know they're playing. It could be Saturday, I, Wednesday. I was going to say it that, may not just be the physical; it could be mentally tired yeah. as well. It's a lot of travelling. It's a lot of pressure. Um, they have had some injuries, so maybe they haven't been able to rotate as much as they would like. Um, I can't. I'm kind of with you. I don't think you can really say at this point of the season that you're tired per se. I think once you get to Christmas and beyond, then yeah, fair well, enough. How are they going to get on in December? Because December's notoriously it's mad. busy. Yeah, it is mad. So, um, yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> it's it's always very difficult to to say was a performance just down to the fact that it was one of those games where they just didn't turn up. Was it because they were tired? You know, how much can you really ever tell that that's the reason? I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure. But Newcastle fans, as you said, Pete, I think. Booing is fine. We thought, I suppose we don't really know. He might have said something. He might have said something to Trippier that's wound him up and he's gone to confront him. But um, yeah, I think I think uh, Newcastle fans will be pretty happy. They're still only well, they're eight points off the lead in seventh place with 12 games gone. I don't think they'll be too unhappy with that. Um, no, we'd love a stat here. Go on. Did you see the one about Gamera's? No. So when he, so up to this point and including last season, if he hasn't played, they haven't won. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. He's a very important player for them, isn't he? Um, can I also ask, it's a completely random topic here. Um, why are certain rules in football not adhered to for certain players? Now, one example is, do anyone remember Ricardo Fuller? Mm-hmm. Always used to wear earrings. Never had to take him out. Why is Bruno Guimaraes allowed to chew gum while playing? He's always, he chews like fucking Sam Allardyce. Like he's like, he's got an everlasting gobstopper in from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Are not allowed to chew chewing? I don't know. I mean, Surely it's fucking dangerous, isn't it? I mean, if he chokes on that while he's running around or gets tackled or something. It's your own fault, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> just, I just find it really weird. I, I, personally, for me, playing football, there was no way I'd ever want to be chewing gum playing football. Not in a million years. I, I just I find always it, thought it was a rule you can have chewing gum. One of the, maybe it's one of those rules oh. that it's just like, maybe it's like the Darwin theory. If you're chewing gum and you die, then it's your own it's fucking fault. fault. Yeah. <laughs> stupid enough to run around with chewing gum. Um, but um, yeah, um, Bournemouth though obviously that's two wins in three games Pete um, there's, there are some signs of life there but I'm not convinced that they've got enough quality to, to do this on a regular basis no still not enough for me I, I still stand by it. one of the worst teams in the division um, maybe the manager was feeling the heat and the players have uh, picked themselves up I really don't know but I, I don't see it lasting long they'll probably get two wins and they'll go on a five game streak of not even picking up any points yeah I mean going into the international break with a win like that is is massive um, fixtures wise coming up they've got uh, a couple of big ones coming up they've got Sheffield United away next um, then they're at home to Villa that's going to be very tough away at Palace away at United home to Luton then Forest Fulham so they've got they've got games they can pick some up some very nice yeah, run there very nice Apart run from Villa they should do most of them <laughs> yeah United so yeah you, Sort of Villa and, and United, I guess you could put them in that bracket just about, um, given they are the form team in the league. 
that takes them right up until New Year's Eve until they play Spurs. So they've got a, a good run of games where they need to be picking up points. So maybe we'll have that conversation again in a few games' time and so we'll see whether they've been able to, to do anything in those games or not. Uh, right, okay. Uh, that brings us to the end of the chat. Um, I was going to uh, throw Man United in there again, but it's fucking boring, isn't it? They're doing well, consistent, climb up the league and <laughs> like the form team knocking on the, the door of the Champions League. Can you believe that stat about, did you see the stat about Ten Hag? Uh, it's, it's trying to do with first. So it's 50, it is uh, first um, 50 league games. Yeah. He is the second highest point scoring manager in Premier League history. That is astonishing. It really is. I can't get my head around that because of how shit it seems like they've been. So they've obviously just been shit but picking up wins. So Dan, stop moaning. Yeah, exactly. What's, what's fucking wrong with you, Dan? Nothing wrong. Uh, right, okay. Uh, let's begin to round out the show then and we'll start first with this. Dan the stat, man. Right, so we'll start off with uh, Dan's one. So that's... Uh... Thiago Silva is the fourth different player to score a Premier League goal while aged 39 or older. But can you name the other three players? Teddy Sheridan, is he up there? That's yeah. one, yeah. yeah. Ryan Giggs. Yeah. Who would be the other one? It's not Les Ferdinand, is it? Nope. Um, 39 years old is very, very old. Mm. Dean Windass? Yeah. Is it Dean Windass? <laughs> I was going to say he's a journeyman. But... <laughs> uh, and then my one was uh, Erling Haaland has scored two or more goals in 36 league games since his Borussia Dortmund debut in 2020. But can you name the other four players to do it in Europe's big five leagues? So he scored two or more goals in 36 league games yeah, since wow. 2020. Okay. There's three other players? Four. Four other players. Well, they've done that as well. Yeah. Harry Kane? Yeah. Salah? Nope. Are we talking Premier League or worldwide? Yeah. Europe's big five leagues. So there's no oh, more in the Premier League. Now. Yeah, he's yeah, second. He's got to be one of them. So two more. Messi? Nope. Um... Big strikers. You said Salah, right? Yeah. It's not mm -hmm. Salah. So you've got Haaland, Lewandowski and Kane so far. You've got two more. When does this go back to? 2020. Sorry. Three years ago. It's not, um, so, Luke, not Lukaku, is it? No. <laughs> well, I just say he was, you know, prolific yeah, in, yeah. in Italy, wasn't he? They're, uh, it's in the French league, so. Oh, so, Mbappe. Yeah. Neymar. No. Uh, One more. From the French League? Yeah. Dem not Dembele? No, he was at Barcelona. Sorry, French player, sorry. Oh, Should um... No. Griezmann? Ballon d'Or winner. French oh, Ballon Benzema. Yeah. There we go. Good stuff. Right, uh, now we've got a quiz. Yeah. My guy. Right, into the quiz.
uh, so it's Lee against Chris for the second week running now. Um, can't lie, I've been pretty lazy this week. Um, I've been busy working away from home, so uh, I've just pinched these questions off the uh, the match week twelve Premier League one. Okay. So this is all about last weekend, just gone. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Okay, so question number one. Game week 12 was Salah's 14th attacking return in the 23-24 season. In how many games has he not scored or assisted? Which is shouting out or? Yeah. I will say three. Okay. I'm going to say two. Lee's right. Two. Uh, question number two. Uh which of these clubs has Salah not scored or assisted against this season? Brentford, Chelsea, Luton or Newcastle? Which is he not? Which has he not scored or assisted against this season? So call the, call the clubs out again. Uh, Brentford, Chelsea, Luton, Newcastle. I'm going to say Chelsea. Mm, I don't think he was. I'm pretty sure I remember him getting an assist. Did he? I'm going to say Luton. Yeah. One all. Sure, he did like some kind of like outside of the boot mm. curl around the defence or something into you. And he scores against big teams, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Is that Chelsea big? generous. Erling Haaland was the joint tops point scorer in a single game week for a second time this season. Who matched his haul in game week four? Uh, Alvarez. Ferguson, Son, or Sterling? I Ferguson and Son both had a hat trick in the same week, didn't I? It wasn't Game Week Four a long time ago. Was mm, it? That was mm. it that far back? I think so. I had Ferguson in at the start, and as soon as I took him out, mm. he started scoring. <laughs> so is it Bastard Ferguson, that. Son? Uh, we've got Alvarez, Ferguson, Son, or Sterling. I'm going to go Sterling. Okay. Was that the week that you played Luton? You played Luton early on and scored a few goals and then didn't score mm. for about four weeks after that. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's Alvarez either. I reckon it's going to be Son or Ferguson. I'm going to go Ferguson. Son. <laughs> <laughs> so it stays at one all. Yeah. Okay. Question number four. Who was the most... Transferred in player in game week 12. Transferred in? Transferred in. Good game week 11. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's usually who it is. I won't give you the uh, the options for this one. It's just going to be a random guess. Unless you really want them. Actually, no, fuck it. I'll give them because you might scramble your heads more. So who was the most transferred in player in game week 12? Bowen, Doku, Mitchell or Romero? I was thinking Doku anyway because he had was it four assists and a goal mm. yeah people are very impulsive yeah. in FPL did you say Romero yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love I'd love to mix if there was anybody out there that put Romero in their team well judging how your season's gone you probably put him <laughs> Doku's too obvious I'm going to go Bowen I think okay. he keeps scoring doesn't he yeah home against Forest is probably not a bad shout who did who did Tarek Mitchell against Everton. Was he that good the week before that he got transferred? I transfer got him in this week. Did you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll go. I'll go Doku. 
Bowen. It is Bowen. 2-1 to Lee. Um, outrageous. Question number five. He, he won last week as well. Yeah, that was a bit dodgy. A bit of a consolation. <laughs> <laughs> Question number five. Who was transferred out the most prior prior to game week 12 deadline? Dan Byrne, Bruno Fernandes, James Madison or Martin Ogard? It's got to be Madison. I was going to say, it's got to be Madison. A lot of people had him in and now he's out for so long. Yeah, when the news broke that he was mm-hmm. out until January, I would suggest that's got to be it. I'll say Madison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're both right. It was a fairly easy one, wasn't it? Uh, so that's 3-2 to Lee. Uh, question number six. Which of these combinations scored the most points? Decore and Lerma, Flecken and Timika. Simicus, fucking ass earlier. <laughs> uh, Gallagher and Bernardo Silva, or Raya and Trafford. Who's the second one? Flecken and Simicus. I'm going to go then. So Decore, Lerma, Flecken, Simicus, Gallagher, Silva, Raya, Trafford. I'll go Decore Lerma. Okay. I'll go Simicas and Flecken. Uh, correct one was Decore and Lerma. Three so, all. Because they were the only ones where both of their teams actually won. Mm-hmm. I know Decore I scored. S- I can remember uh, seeing Simicas got quite a few points, I think, this week. Yeah, he got at least one assist, mm-hmm. so I saw. Uh, question number seven. Which of these players achieved the lowest points total after being sent off? I really, I do I give you names? Yeah, I'll give you the names. All right, so Kukurea, Dahoud, Solanke, or Vieira? That's been sent off. And it can't just have been a rhythm. I must have done something else as well. What were the three again? Or four, sorry? Four. Uh, Kukurea, Dahoud, Solanke, Vieira. Okay, Vieira. I feel like one of them must have scored an own goal at some point as well. Because just as a straight red would just get you minus two. So they must have done something else to get more minus points to be ahead of the game. So I'll say... They're not scored goals before, conceded goals before and then getting sent off. Well, yeah, possibly. You know, if they got beaten heavily. Um, so I'll, go, I'll go... No, Who, Solanke? Cook, yeah. No, Chelsea haven't been smashed all year, so I don't think it's that. I'm pretty sure he hasn't scored no goal. I'll say Dahoud. Okay. And Lee, you went with? Vieira. What's Vieira? 4-3. Nice true or false one. So 50-50, yeah. Um, no goalkeeper scored 10 points or more in game week 12. True or false? Copy. They didn't. Score. No goalkeeper scored ten or more points I'm in game true. week twelve. There's so many goals. I was going to say there's virtually no clean sheets this weekend. <laughs> was there? Yeah, I'll say true as well. True. So that five four. Three. Yeah. Another true or false. All of the players in game week twelve team of the week featured in winning teams. Unless you check team of the week, this is just going to be mm. a total stab in the dark. False. I'll go true then. That's really confused me saying. I said, I, I said false. Yeah. I said true. True. Fuck. 
I thought Harlan would have been. I in was going to go full spoke because you. So that's six four now. Yeah. yeah. So he's one. One question. Right, I'll be deleting this quiz from the podcast. <laughs> uh, true or false? Erling Haaland became the first player to reach a hundred points this season. False. Who would have beaten him? Salah. <laughs> we Maybe. spoke about this about yeah. fifteen minutes ago. <laughs> true. False. He said Salah. earlier, Salah become Salah. the highest. Yeah, one hundred and five points. Oh, okay. I didn't. <laughs> Oh, he's absolutely smashed you. 7 4. Well, there we go. Well, I have uh, formally extended an, uh, an invitation for Lee to join us on a regular basis, even after Dan returns. So hopefully, we'll hear more uh, of Lee each week. Um, I don't think you do much on a Monday, do you? You're quite ideal, actually, with a baby coming as well. So That's very true, yes. When, when, is, uh, when is your other half due? End of December, right in the middle of Christmas and New Year. Yeah, so you know, full work's going to be on one of the dates. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we'll um, we'll need we'll need we'll need you again anyway, regardless. So um, yeah, if you're good to keep coming back, mate, we'd love to have you. It's a pleasure. Um, right, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. As always, LMA Manager episode number six, seven. I think six, seven, seven, seven. Uh, whatever episode it is, it goes out tomorrow. Um, that one will be um, uh, the final one that we pre-recorded uh, before Dan's surgery. I'm trying to arrange with Dan him coming over next weekend uh, <laughs> to try and get one in the bank so we can keep going, but it might just be that we have to skip a week um, mm. for uh, for Dan. But yeah, anyway, Dan will be back on the show next Monday, uh, ready and raring to go to talk about uh, England's... Uh, Versus Malta. Yeah, yeah, against Malta and... and When's the North Macedonia game? It's middle of next week, isn't oh, it? So, yeah, so we'll even talk about that. Tuesday, I think it might be Tuesday. Is Mount in the England squad? Uh, I hope so. He's been playing fantastic, hasn't he? So... <laughs> <laughs> so right uh, thank you very much everyone for listening and we'll see you all next week bye bye bye